Studio wants to revolutionize the way people see headphones. It's not just a tech device, but also as an accessory. Currently, the headphone market can offer you one of two things, either style or tech. So you have your fashionable headphones that tend to lack the proper sound quality, and then your high-tech variations, which are bulky and not design-oriented. Studio wants to bridge that gap. While emphasizing a modern Scandinavian design, Studio also provides a product that matches the quality of even the highest-rated headphones on the market for a fraction of the cost. And with the code Hidden Scribes at checkout, you'll get an additional 15% of any order of any Studio product. Now, they already offer free worldwide shipping, but with the code Hidden Scribes, you'll get an additional 15% off of any order. That's Studio without the T. T for Tangle. Like, the guys at Studio who do the copy, when you give us a new copy, you should add that. Like, it's Studio without the T. No T for Tangle. No T for trade-off. No T for tedious. You get it. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, no T, Studio. S-U-D-I-O. Yeah, that one's for free. So, let's hear a story, shall we? Welcome to The Hidden Scribes. I am Mark Million, and we return today to the far reaches of the intergalactic with a story from another talented author introducing us to a cast of unique characters and a world where uh, iconic heroes meet some very real consequences. Allow me to introduce you to Haroon Ahmed Butt. Haroon. Yes. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Uh, The guests at home don't know this. I don't even know if you know this. But you were the first person to ever contact me about a submission. <laughs> I didn't know that either. Wow. Yeah. So this is really cool to finally make this this happen. Mm-hmm. So tell us about the selection that we're getting ready to listen to today. Our main character, Commander Tycho, comes back from a military operation that he he himself conducted with a group of fresh recruits um, and his, his captain wants to know why he made this tactical decision without approval of any of his superiors. And they have a interesting conversation about that. Okay. Awesome. Without any further ado, the selection. Chapter XX, the descent. Tycho wasn't late to this meeting. A blue glow emitted from the fingertips of Captain Koff's uniform, pulsing brighter and dimmer as he interacted with the collage of holograms floating just above his white marble hollow desk. Commander Tycho sat across from him, nursing a wry grin. Uh, just give me another second here, Captain Koff said, glancing at Tycho through the orange, green, yellow, blue, and violent tint of his projections. Tycho nodded cordially. And although Tycho's visor was busy consuming Captain Koff's holograms, analyzing them for any pertinent data and broadcasting his view to Central Star Command, Tycho himself wasn't paying attention to what Jack was doing. His gaze was set behind the captain, where a wall-length transparent aluminum window revealed the stunning, magnificent vista of his beloved Final Frontier. Twinkling specks of faraway stars spilled all across the dark black nothingness of space, playing peekaboo with Tycho's eyes. Meteorites blazed into view, swinging wispy gossamer tails of maroon and gold. 
and then dissipating slowly into the eternal abyss. Dozens of diamond-shaped sentinel stations of CSC locked in orbit to one another were illuminated by an endless flow of starlight. Tiny craters were sprinkled all over the eroding navy blue metal hulls of the stations, like freckles on their coarse faces. The sentinel stations continued their hushed motion in outer space, floating, bobbing, revolving, rotating in the eternal sea. Take your time, Jack, Tycho said. I'm enjoying this view. Captain Koff looked up from his holograms and raised an eyebrow. Is your visor showing you something I can't see, or are you talking about me? Captain Koff asked. Tycho scoffed. (laughs) No, not you, Jack. The view, he said, gesturing his head past the captain. The breathtaking view of the entire cosmos right behind you. Even after all these years, I just can't stop staring. Captain Koff glanced over his shoulder for a moment, shrugged, and then returned to his work, uninspired and uninterested. Any indignation Tycho may have felt at his captain's flippant dismissal of the infinite starscape dissipated quickly as another meteorite entered the ion field surrounding CSC, leaving a stream of its tears behind as it incinerated into dust and debris. And while he was sure that the life freed from his visor was actively being monitored, likely considering what happened at Miles End, and although Captain Koff sat right in front of him, and even if Jen was just a voice command away, Tycho somehow felt alone in his appreciation of the universe's eternal glory. More alone than when he was basking in the darkness of the endless abyss all by himself, surreptitiously disconnecting his suit and his visor from CSC, setting his communication channels offline, and locking his ship in orbit with a nearby celestial body that caught his fancy. Sitting alone in his cockpit, letting the motion of the planets control his own, allowing his eyes, mind, and soul to swim free with the waves of starlight and space debris. Tycho's comlink suddenly chirped and a small, blinking green dot appeared in the corner of his visual field. Jen spoke to him through his earpiece. Commander Tycho, an unknown source is attempting to establish a private communication stream. Except... Tycho raised his hand to his ear and pressed his finger to his earpiece. Go ahead, Jen. He heard another beep, and then the faint, hushed whisper of his former Lieutenant Commander Tara strummed his eardrums. Tycho, look! Make a wish! Hurry! (laughs) Tycho grunted with affection, and his smile grew more pronounced. The meteor's tail stretching diagonally across his view faded into a translucent stream as the subatomic particles of the ion field fiendishly ripped it apart bit by bit. He made the same silent wish he had been making since the day he saw his first shooting star leap across the sky. The same day he spread the ashes of his parents out into an unknown river, on an unknown planet, at an unknown age. He then puckered his lips and kissed the air suspending disbelief for just a moment and assuming that someone or some force had heard his wish. He hoped, at least. Feeling his eyelids grow damp and heavy, he rested his head on his shoulder and closed his eyes, letting his dark, swirling locks dangle loose down towards the pale marble floor. 
Along with the tapping of Captain Koff's fingers and the whirring, humming, and beeping of the station's mechanics, Tycho could also hear his own heart flow with its usual, unusual rhythm. An arrhythmic lullaby only he alone could hear. My turn. Okay, here I go. I wish, oh, how I wish to be, to be, to be. Tycho's smile curved up higher, reaching his eyebrows, as he continued to drift off into his own personal mental abyss. Captain Koff was still juggling holograms of official files and applications. Each virtual window was desperately vying for his attention, each swearing it was the most important form, the most urgent task, the most necessary correspondence that he needed to respond to immediately. Each window gnawing at his gaze, prying at his focus, rotating, revolving, blinking, twinkling, changing color. A star! His shoulder involuntarily twitched and nudged him awake. He opened his eyes and saw that the meteor had evaporated completely, leaving no trace of its existence, no particle in its ways. No evidence of its millennia-long sojourn towards self-immolation. All that remained now was the afterimage imprinted into Tycho's memories, and pretty soon, that too would fade, he was sure. Captain Koff looked up at him and spoke again. I'm sorry, Tycho. There's, there's still a couple of things I had left to do. Captain Koff said, sputtering to a silence as his pupils danced across the display. Tycho straightened his back and nodded at him, shaking his head and snapping back to the present. Uh, don't worry, Jack. I'm here, Tycho said, still smiling. Just lost among the stars. He ran his hands through his hair and pulled it back, nodding into a bun. Yeah, well, I thought I'd have more time to prepare. You're not usually this punctual. Captain Koff said, shifting uncomfortably in his seat. Psycho chuckled. <laughs> oh, come on, Jack, don't start that again. Time dilation. Relativity. I've told you that. Tycho's jovial response made the captain's nostrils flare, and he closed his eyes and exhaled, bringing his hands together to form a pyramid in front of his face. Suddenly, he reached under the desk and toyed with a switch. A startling vibration reverberated through the air as a thick sheet of solid steel descended from the ceiling, steadily creeping down over the window and covering Tycho's sacrosanct view. Hey, what the hell, Jack? He protested. You're having too much fun, Tycho. You're not here to be stargazing. This is not you and me hanging out. This is a formal inquiry, Captain Koff said. A formal inquiry, he repeated. Formal meaning official. To be reviewed directly and immediately by high command. So start behaving. Oh, give me a break, Jack. It's standard procedure, Tycho said with a slight prod of bravado. It's not. Captain Koff replied sternly. Believe me, Commander, it's not. Tycho exhaled sharply and rolled his eyes, <laughs> scowling as Captain Koff returned his attention to his holographic stream. He didn't press his captain any further and instead returned his focus out towards the gradually diminishing view of the infinite star scene. Out towards the sea he couldn't see, to face the forces he couldn't conceive. The Sentinel stations bobbed all at once momentarily as if a tide passed through them, and before Tycho could make sense of it, his comm link chirped again. 
It was Tara, Tycho thought, but he couldn't hear her speak over the rumbling, interrupting descent of the steel shield. He quickly double-tapped his wrist and a light green holographic display hovered over his forearm. A flurry of alerts popped up and Tycho swiped left to dismiss them, heading straight to the control panel instead and raising his output volume of his comlink. A couple of beeps and then Jen. Volume setting? Yes, Tycho said. I'm sorry if I didn't catch that. Please restate your command. Keep volume setting? Yes, Tycho shouted. Captain Koff continued tapping and flicking on his desk display, seemingly unperturbed. The solid steel blinds were just about halfway down when Tycho saw a distant star suddenly burst in intensity and emit a violent solar flare, casting an intense, luminous blaze of starlight out onto CSC. Before the full force of the flare hit him, Tara spoke. Tycho? Are you there? Do you see the diamonds, Tycho? Tycho winced as the solar flare reached the window and spilled into the room with a surging intensity. The luminous blaze washed across Tycho's face before he had a chance to look away and a haze of bright white light surrounded his visual spectrum, blinding him momentarily. He reached out with his palms and shielded his eyes from the singeing star rays. A flurry of sparkles clattered his periphery as he shook his head and tried to regain his vision. The steel shield was still coming down and right before it completely covered his view, Tycho looked out the window for a last glance and caught a glimpse of two big bold red warning signs painted side by side among the sentinels. Another chirp, and then... Do you see the signs? A memory of him and Tara standing at the peak of Canyon Iblis sat out on the planet Helos flashed across his mind's still visually unobstructed eye. Only a day before the original starlings were swallowed whole by the cosmic mists, he and Tara were marveling at clouds billowing up from an erupting volcano far out into the distant horizon. A pair of starships, presumably a response team sent by Galactic Command, entered the atmosphere from up above and descended down towards the eruption. A pair of signs attached to their tails flapped in the airspace behind them. The writing was Helian, so neither Tycho nor Tara could read, but the bold, beautiful, rich red color of the Helian glyphs gleamed across both their retinas. Do you know why the signs are red, Tycho? Tycho smiled. Iron, he said out loud. The heavy metal shield thudded against the hard marble floor of Captain Koff's office as it finally completed its long descent. Almost simultaneously, Captain Koff dribbled his fingers on his desk and looked up. He didn't bother asking Tycho who he'd been speaking to, and Tycho didn't seem to mind. Okay, all set. Let's begin. Star Command, the Starscape Federation GC. This is the top secret security review. After an action review of Commander Tycho, commanding officer of the Starlings, initiated and conducted by Captain Jack Koff, commanding officer of SS Beacon 1, with prior authorization from Galactic Command. Purpose. To determine the circumstances behind Commander Tycho's decision to carry out a successful yet unauthorized military combat mission on Miles End. 
inducted and logged on 17th day of year E21XX. Summary of Findings After an unprecedented and undefeated record of battle in the Second Helian Wars and other covert military operations, Commander Tycho has now been deemed mentally unfit to serve and has been subsequently been terminated and discharged from Star Command and transferred to a top-secret psychiatric ward on Sector 3. The following serves as a key fact for this case. Initial Assessment Under the pretense of routine training exercises, Commander Tycho led an untrained and inexperienced batch of recruits into deep space and launched a full-scale attack on Mal's End, a civilian research and development station located in Sector Z. No prior authorization was made for the attack, and there was no record of any communication with CSC or any senior commanding officer. The decision was solely his own. Attached below is a verbatim transcription of the review. Jen served as a facilitator during the review and assisted with the written transcription. Begin transcription. Before we get back to Haroon and talk to him about his story, we need to talk a little bit more about the Regents. See, the Regent is Studio's premium on-air model. It's got impeccable clarity in the instrumental tones and it's well-balanced sound. It has 24 plus hours of active battery life and 20 days of standby life. The Regent is the perfect companion for you at home or on the go. It will connect to any device that has Bluetooth, but there's also an auxiliary cord if you don't want to use the wireless option. You can also personalize your Regent interchangeable caps such as white or black marble designs or whatever you crazy kids think of. The combination of high polished metal and matte surfaces embodies the vision of Scandinavian design. And again, with the code hidden scribes, you will get 15% off of the Regent Studio headphones. They're top of the line crafted headphones, again, with free worldwide shipping for an additional 15% off with the code hidden scribes. Now, let's talk to Haroon about Tycho and this madness. All right, man. So that was interesting. So they have the conversation and uh, apparently Tycho is this badass. And the big question, I guess, that's laying out there for us, and it's a spoiler alert, maybe, unless you don't want it to be, is Tycho crazy? I I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, I have no idea if he's crazy or not, but... um, He's definitely not ordinary. He's definitely not ordinary. And okay, what do you mean by that? That he's not ordinary. What does that mean? He definitely experiences things that other people don't experience. And, and uh, is him talking to himself um, a part of that, or is he not really talking to himself? Like, is was what we saw in the selection? Is that an example of what you mean? Is like, is he is he experiencing something that someone else wouldn't be experiencing, or or do you not want to say? Would that would that ruin too much of, of where you plan on taking the story? No, I, I can I can tell you. For, well, well, yeah, Tara was of the original Starlings, right? Tara was his lieutenant commander in the original Starlings. She was swallowed by the mists, and there have been other people that were swallowed by the mists. You know, the Starlings aren't the only ones, and uh, but Tycho's the only one that now Tara's talking talking to Tycho. So that's that's weird. That that's not ordinary. Like, how is she talking to him? He thinks in his head he thinks oh. You know, the mist must have transported them to some planet, and they're she's like she figured out a radio frequency and talked to me. He he doesn't really get signs, right? So he's like, oh, there's got to be a scientific explanation for it. 
Uh, and he wants to tell his captain about it. Um, but as you find out that, you know, it, he, the captain thinks that he's crazy. The captain thinks, no, your team died. How, who were you talking to? So, uh, and does the captain come up with that conclusion based upon something that Tycho tells him in that interview, or is it simply because he's sitting there across from him and he sees him talking to himself that he, he comes to that conclusion or is it a combination yeah, of the two? It's a combination of both because, um, uh, Tycho, Tycho has no idea, but his comlink has been shut off for the last three days when he was suspended from duty. So when Tycho's sitting there talking, you know, talking in the comlink and being, you know, even Jen can't be talking to him. Like Jen is the computer of the suit. Even she's not supposed to be oh, talking wow. to him. Okay, so, gotcha. So he, so Jack is just sitting there working, and Jack knows. Uh, Captain Jack knows that okay, Tycho is seriously talking to himself. There's nothing. And Tycho doesn't know that, though. Tycho thinks, oh, Jen's talking to me. Tara's talking to me. That he's still locked in and, and everything. He's still jacked into all the systems and whatnot. Yeah, yeah he has no idea that he's, he's been disconnected. Um, so in the, in the conversation that I guess we didn't hear the conversation, but in the conversation, Jack just, just plainly asked him, so tell me what happened. Why did you attack Mal's end? And Tycho tells the truth. Oh, I, you know. Uh, I heard I got a transmission from my former lieutenant commander telling me that there was an ambush waiting for me. And when we got there, there was. So, uh, and then Captain Jack asks, okay, and when's the last time that you heard from them? And he's like, oh, just now, a couple minutes ago. And t- that's when Jack's like, okay, you know, calls in the MP and says, I'm sorry, Tycho, you're going to have to relieve the command. There's nobody talking to you. Your, your comic's been off. So from Tycho's perspective, it's a matter of his crew, the original Starlings, are just missing. Yeah, exactly. as far as is concerned, they're dead. Right, exactly. And there's certainly no way that he could be communicating with them. Exactly, exactly. When they first died, when they first died, Tycho did um, bring up, like Tycho heard a few days later in his comm link, he heard his other lieutenant, Hannes, I think, um, and he brought it up to the captain, and the, cap- and, and the captain uh, had him decommissioned because he was like, "Oh, you're grieving." Because you gotta understand, like they went through a lot of battles and they never lost, and nobody died, and now all of a sudden his whole team is dead. So the captain was like, "You're grieving. You're in a lot of grief, and this is like you need to go. Like you can't be in the military." And so he was decommissioned at first. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the the badass history of Tycho and the Starling. So, <laughs> okay, this is gonna be. A, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> so, um, so you've you've kind of communicated like when we hear the verdict kind of being read at the end, um, by uh, the captain, you you understand that the Starlings and specifically Tycho were really decorated. They hadn't been defeated previously, and so forth. But could you kind of paint a picture of what are the intergalactic circumstances that are going on for these characters in the world that you've created? Like, who is the Space Command? Who are their enemies? Who are their allies? Where is Earth um, in the grand relationship scheme of things and its development at this point in the timeline of, of your world? And, and why are the Starlings important? Who are, who are they fighting that's such a big deal that they've been undefeated? Okay, so... Uh, first of all, like I don't know if Tycho's a badass or not. Um, 
they they have they're undefeated sure and they're really good and Tyke was a really good fighter pilot for sure but a lot of their battles they won based solely on luck like unbelievable luck unbelievable okay. like, like they they i have one battle that you know uh that like they were going to a much superior fleet and they are fearless that is one thing about them that does make them badass they they're fearless um and they were going and like a rain of comets came and you know interfered with the enemy's um trajectory and they ended up crashing into each other so a bunch of their fleet got knocked out and when Tycho and his starlings came you know it was easy for them because like a bunch of their fleet had already been wiped out by by cosmic interference um you know another one like Tycho and his starlings were uh running out of fuel so they had to crash land onto an asteroid and when they did they found like a secret base that the enemy had a lot of things that like the starlings uh, did was was totally luck. It was like cosmic luck. And Tycho himself jokes around, and says, I, "I I don't know how this happens. Like, I, yeah, I win, but I don't I don't know how it happens." Um, but is that like a manifestation? Is that part of what you mean that he's different? Like, is there exactly? Something? Wow, good. Yes, yes, exactly. That's why everybody, yeah, everybody's doesn't doesn't understand him. And like over and over and over again, he it, it, no matter what they put, what danger they put him in, he just somehow gets out of it. And sometimes he doesn't even realize that he was in danger at all. Um, right. So he's just kind of Mr. Magoo in his way. Exactly. He's just Mr. Magoo. And he enjoys yeah, it. He, you know, he enjoys it. And during the Second Helian War, the, the main aggressor was the planet of Helos. He, Helos wanted to be independent of the Galactic Command. Because they, for, to, they believe that all the ills of Helos is actually propagated by Galactic Command. That's what the Helos but the believes. Galactic, but the Galactic Command is essentially like a federation of planets? like Pretty much. They're like, like the federal okay. government. I mean, there's, only, there's only two planets. There's Virtue and there's Helos. And then there's Galactic Command. Um, Galactic Command is like, you know, man-made space stations out in space. Um, but are they, are they, is Galactic Command comprised of, is that just another name for Earth's presence in space? Or... Are there I don't know. I don't know about Earth. I don't. I don't know where Earth is in here. Maybe maybe this was took place in a, a long time ago on a planet far far away, or maybe this happens later on in our future. Uh, Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I didn't even. I didn't even think about it. They're definitely oh, humans. These aren't. They're humans, but the, the Earth doesn't necessarily have anything to do with it. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I don't know about Earth. Like, I have. I have no idea um, what happened to Earth. But I'm just trying to get a sense of like who the Galactic Command is, because you say there are two planets and there's a Galactic Command. So. The Galactic Command is basically like the government of both planets. They're the military government. It's like a military rule almost. Each planet has their own provincial governments. They are in charge of the military, so essentially they are in, in power. It's just two planets, yeah. It's just two planets gotcha. and and then the, the series of space stations, man-made space stations that make up Galactic Command. Gotcha. I, in, my head, in my head, Galactic Command, uh, CSC, sorry, Central Star Command, where that is the is the central hub for Galactic Command. Um, in my head, that's like pretty much a planet because there are dozens and dozens and dozens of uh, stations out there. A lot of people work there. A lot of people live there. You know, there's stores. There's an economy. So uh, CSC to me is like a man-made planet or of sorts, or at least an ecosystem. So do these two planets, are they aware of, in your world, in the universe that you've created, 
are they aware of other life or as far as they know, are they the only two populated planets in the universe? Very cool. That's a very cool question. Uh, the only, uh, both planets have life on them and they have their own kind of life. So just imagine like, you know, life on the continent of North America is not going to be the same as life on the continent of Australia. Right. Except both planets have this thing called the elder flower, which is endemic to both planets. And nobody knows how this life form, um, got on both planets at the same time. Nobody knows. Uh, but they're there. And, um, the elder flower is the only life form that, that, that is shared by both planets. It's endemic to both planets. You know, you carbon dated back to however long you want to, you'll find records of the elder flower on both planets for a long, long time. The elder flower is also a recreational drug, a dangerous one. And what would you say were some of the stories that were the most direct influence on your work? The stories, a lot of my life, for sure. Uh, things that I've seen, people that I've met. But I mean, more so like thematically, like, would you say like Cowboy Bebop? Would you say Star Trek? Like, what Battles, of- Oh, yeah. Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica, Star Wars 2. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely Star Wars. Ender's Game. Oh, Ender's Game was a big one. Ender's Game was a big one. And when you say your life, like, kind of talk to me about that. What, do you mean, like, some of the characters were inspired by people in your life? or oh, were some of your almost, almost every character in there is inspired by somebody. Well, let's talk about that a little bit as far as, like, where are you from? Where are your parents from? My parents are from Pakistan. Okay. And where are you from? Brooklyn. Brooklyn, New York. Okay. And you were born in Brooklyn? Born and raised. Okay. And... And your parents came here when they were how old? Uh, I I think my mom was wow. My mom was my age. My mom was twenty eight when she came here. Okay, and so they have a very entrenched Pakistani upbringing, and they brought that mm-hmm. to the states. Do you feel like you have a lot of that, and do you feel like any of that bleeds into your writing? And and if so, in what way? That's a good question. Um, a lot of what Tycho. I guess struggles within his own world, I guess would be, <laughs> this is a deep question, man. You're making me think like, I've never really thought about this stuff before. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, he just, uh, his home really is just the cosmos. It really is. He just, most of the time he just is on a spaceship. He's just like flying around. He's, he's so much to see It's infinite exploration for him. It's so much fun for him. So he doesn't really care where he's from, I guess. But uh, he does. He does have like a soft spot for Helos, even though it's it, even though he like nuked them, um, it destroyed them in in the wars. He does have a soft spot for the healing culture and for healing people. So let's kind of talk about that a little bit, as far as because um, <clears throat> you were describing how uh, how some so some of that culture of Pakistani culture might have leached its way into your writing without you ever really even knowing it. Is that showing up? potentially in helium culture or virtual culture or, or how does that, how does that show up and how does it show up specifically for Tycho? In the helium culture. So for, so on in Helos there, there's a, they're very religious and, uh, they're scattered tribes. Every, every tribe's got their own idea of, of what the religion is, but there are overarching themes. Um, so that's, that's very similar to Pakistani culture. Cause like I, I lived in Pakistan for a year when I was a teenager mm-hmm. And uh, when I was in the States before, so when I was 13, I went there. So up until 13, I'm thinking, you know, oh, 
you're a Muslim, Islam, that's it. That you're a Muslim. But uh, everyone's going to accept you. You go into whatever. But when I went to Pakistan at 13, I only lived there for a year. But there's like, there's seriously about like 72 factions of Islam there. Mm-hmm. Everybody hates each other. Like, <laughs> you know, everybody hates. It's so weird. Like, you, like, oh, you raised your arms too high when you prayed. You are going to go to hell. You have to raise your arms just a little bit. Or somebody else says, like, you're not putting your forehead, you know, far enough. You have to straighten your back when you go down for a bow. It's just the weirdest things. And they hate each other for this stuff. And I, I'm just I'm, – I was 13 years old thinking, like, oh, my God. Like, what, what? I thought all of you were supposed to just love one God that's supposed to unify you all. Why are you all fighting each other? So that, I guess, has come into the – Helion, wow, you're right. That that's totally influenced Helos because Helos is just like that. Everybody uh, has their own idea of the, of the religion, and they're you know they're fighting each other. Right, so they're very sectarian in general, but they all yeah exactly. Um, do you feel like? Well, first, do you speak Urdu? I do. Yes. So you're fluent in Urdu. So that wasn't something that kind of set you apart from your experience when you lived in Pakistan as as a kid. Did what other what were some of the obstacles that you that you felt like off the bat, you being American born Pakistani, being in Pakistan, what are some of the things that you felt like either um, ideologically or just how you interacted with your family over there or how you interacted with other kids? What did you feel like was one of the big differences uh, about how you saw the world and how people your own age or people um, from who are native to Pakistan saw the world? Um, so when I went there, it was it was 2003. So this is the war in Iraq. The the major obstacles was that I mean that was it was weird. Like I was in America, and I was an outsider here because all of a sudden everybody knew what Islam was, and everybody like up until I was 13, nobody knew. Like nobody ever asked me where I'm from. Nobody knew. Like even if I sent out for Pakistan, they'd be like, "Where is that?" Somebody once told me. I swear to God. So uh, somebody once asked me where you're from. I said Pakistan. He goes, "Where's that upstate?" I swear to God. Um, and this happened before 2001. And then after 9-11, everybody knows. And everybody's – and I'm like – I have a scarlet letter on myself. So I'm an outsider here. So that's partially one of the reasons my mom sent me over there because I was getting into a lot of fights here. People were just like always like fighting me and like spinning on me and hitting me. So my mom sent me to Pakistan. Now I go to Pakistan and I'm an outsider there too. Because I'm American. And the same thing's happening there. They're like, you, you're an American. You, you know, I, I was, you know, I, I am American. So I'd be like, yeah, I am. What's the big deal? And they'd be like, oh, my God, you're killing Islam. You're, you know, you're, you guys are like invading Iraq. And, and I didn't know. I was a kid. So I don't know anything about the politics. I was like, what do I get? I want to play cricket. I want to play basketball. What, you know, why are you yelling at me about this stuff? But for some reason, everybody would. Um, that was a major obstacle just to, because in the early years of the Iraq war, everybody chose a side. I didn't care. You know, I, I was like a kid, but everybody was, um, judged, prejudging me based on what their per- perception of was of my nationality. So in America, I was a Muslim Pakistani in Pakistan. I was a dirty American. And in me, to me, in my head, I was just me. I was human. When you came back to the States, did you feel like 
you learned anything about your experience there that made it easier for you to reenter into American culture, your culture, or uh, was it the same? I talked a lot less about my opinions. I just, cause I kind of learned like I, I, one of the big things I learned when I went there was I was like, Oh, okay. So everybody's just got their own idea and nobody really knows who's right. Um, so it's best to just not talk about this stuff. And that's what I, I mean, I would write, I would draw that's writing was my main, 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 uh, escape. I was just constantly writing. I was just constantly writing. Well, let's talk about how it affected your writing. So writing was your kind of place where you could kind of discuss those things or you felt like you could be most yourself because just kind of you and the page, I guess I'm taking from what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so was it always stories like this stories that took place in outer space or was it, how did that look like? What did that look like? This is the first story that uh, Tycho is like the evolution of the same main character I've had in, in, in each one of my three major books since I was like 14. Do you look at the story as being part space adventure, part comedy? Um, what would you see as the overall theme or tone of it? Like when I, cause I've had the, the benefit of having read other parts and mm-hmm. um, other than the selection that we just heard. And one of the things that came to mind was kind of cowboy bebop, but mm-hmm. kind of some other things that were a little bit more whimsical as well. So where would you kind of tune it? So I've never seen, I've never seen Cowboy Bebop. So I'm going to have to check that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cowboy Bebop. When you, when you, when you do watch Cowboy Bebop, the theme music especially was running through my head as I was reading parts of. Oh, really? Story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just keep that in mind when you watch it. Just <laughs> think about the fact yeah, that cool. Mark, was, Mark was hearing this when he read such and such. Yeah. I, I should also mention that you did a great job at the sound editing, by the way. So like, I'm going to keep that, definitely keep that in mind because the music you put at the end was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. So my little brother and I was were having this conversation earlier and he, he brought up a good point. He, he just got me into this Marvel universe, the Marvel cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love superheroes too. Superheroes are huge influence on me. So I, but I didn't, I didn't really like superhero movies, but he's got, he introduced me to Marvel, Marvel and I'm, and I like them. And he, wait, 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 let me just clarify that just for my own understanding. So growing up, you read comic books. Oh my God. So much. You so read, I was into comic books. You read Marvel comic books or DC comic books or some other third both, party. Both. You read both, both, but you everything. Just, I mean, I read everything, but you just figured, but you just never, like, it's hard for me to kind of appreciate how you grew up reading comic books like that. And then the movies come out and you're not really interested in seeing the movies. This is just because you, you're a purist and you just like, feel like, oh, they're just going to get it wrong or. I mean, I, I like Batman Begins. I loved Batman Begins. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Batman Begins was my favorite. I just didn't really think they were doing a good job until they started doing that. I didn't think they were good. I was like, I, Spider-Man was okay. I was like, all right, it's all right. The, the um, most recent iteration of the MCU as defined by, you know, everything that was leading up to the Avengers versus all the punishes that they made and mm-hmm, yes. made and all the X-Men movies before, like, the prequel experiences exactly. were all bad. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would agree exactly. with that. Okay. Exactly. And now, and so my little brother says that one of the one of the major reasons that they're good is because Marvel understands you have to put humor in if you want it to be realistic and if you want it to be like humor is like a release almost. It, oh, when you talk when you're dealing with heavy elements, you got to put humor in. 
um, you know, when Batman Begins came out, after Batman Begins came out, almost every other superhero, not even just superhero movies, genre movies in general, James Bond, everyone went for the dark and gritty, right. dark and gritty, dark, everybody. Right. I remember Casino Royale, I was watching, I was like, come on, what are you, <laughs> <laughs> like, why are you doing that? Right. Um, and then Marvel now comes out with like the humor and I agree with them. Humor is like the core, like you have to have humor in there. So that humor kind of like grounds you almost. So that's the, that's the role of humor in my story. I believe like they come out, all the moments of humor come out when I'm, when I'm starting to get deep into the writing and I'm feeling heavy and I'm, and I'm like, you know, I, I start getting anxious. Even I was writing something earlier today. I started, it was it was like a fake story and i started getting anxious and and then the humor comes out so it's like a release i don't i wouldn't call it the the whole genre humor but yeah it, I, I would say that it definitely I, plays a part i guess never plays a part and i think that's i mean i think that's accurate i think that you know speaking to your point one of the issues that took place when that whole shift was made because i think you're absolutely right you did see that in in genre films of, of all types is that they didn't take into account that Batman is a dark and gritty character and always mm-hmm. has been like when mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan was doing that, he was being true to that character. Mm-hmm. When you take that template and you add it to say Superman, for instance, and exactly. the, the horror that was Superman versus Batman. <laughs> you, oh my you, God. Yeah, exactly. travesty because that's not who Superman is or exactly. ever was. And so you just can't take, Ooh, gritty, Ooh, realistic, Ooh, blah, blah, blah. And just paste that onto anything and say, now it'll be a hit. Go off and be exactly, yeah. exactly. Even awesome. even the colors, even Superman's got blue and red. How are you going to make that gritty? What are you doing? You have to take the source material and be sacred to the source material, which will take me to a whole other tangent of things that I don't want to talk about as far as Star Wars is concerned. Blah blah blah. <laughs> but I have very passionate feelings, and I could dedicate a whole podcast to that. But as it relates to your writing and you interweaving some heavy elements and some comedic elements and finding a balance therein kind of take me through for somebody who's going to read this story one day and they're going to remember this podcast and they're going to remember um your passion for it and your energy for it and Hmm. and everything that you bring to it what would you say would be like the blurb that would be on the back of this book what would you say would be the expectation that you have for these characters in this world for the people that are going to wind up immersing themselves in it later you know, I, I, I gotta be honest with you. Like, I, I have, I have no idea what's going to happen with these guys. I have an overarching, I don't really don't. I just love, I, I really love these characters. And I love writing about them. And every time I sit down, like something new comes out and I'm like, Oh my God, you, this all in my head, I, the way I, I've started to make sense of it. I'm like, you know what? Tyke was a real alien being somewhere. And he's beaming these things to my head because every time I, I sit something brand new comes out. I'm like, that's brilliant. That's so cool. Tackle, you did that. That's so cool. Um, so I don't know what's going to like, but the expectation, so definitely Tycho is going, okay. In my head is, is, it has to be a trilogy. There's so much, there's so much in my head that like, I can't write this unless I write like a trilogy. Okay. So even if, and how much like, of your trilogy do you have written now? I a lot, a lot. I have a lot of written, um, mostly in notes and in handwritten notes and, I, I go manic, man. I really do. Like my my little brothers, many times come up to me and ask me if I'm okay because I'm just sitting there with the pizza oak tag and I'm just writing and writing and writing and writing with, uh, you know, drawing space battles and like. So I have a lot. Um, 
so thank you. Actually, I should actually thank you for giving me this opportunity because this was the this was one of the first times where I sat I sat down and um was like, okay, I need to make a scene that gives the main idea of the first book in in one scene. How do I do this? And it really gave me a lot more confidence. I'm like, oh, after I wrote this scene, I started feeling like, okay, I can actually do this. Until I did, wrote this scene, I had I, I, I had resigned to the idea that this was going to be a story in my head for the rest of my life. And I'm never going to tell anyone about it. Um, but so thank you. I appreciate it. And I don't know if you remember, but when I first contacted you, I wasn't going to write this. I was going to write a Halloween story. I was going to write some story about a demon because it was, it was around Halloween that I contacted you. Uh-huh. Well, you never oh. told me it was a Halloween story. You told me because um, you contacted me and we we uh, emailed back and forth for a little bit. And then you were supposed to get something to me. I never heard from you for a while. And so then I reached back out to you. I was like, hey, man, I haven't heard from you because uh, I've been doing other things with uh, um, other writers and blah, blah, blah. And I was going through some of my emails. So I was like, wow, like who never got back to me. And I sent you uh, <laughs> another email. And you were like, oh, yeah, um, no, I'd love to participate, but I'm working on something completely different now. And so I like to do that. But I never knew what the first thing was. So, yeah, it was like this. It was like this demon story. It was like this guy is a demon. And I didn't I didn't like the story. So I I, I stopped. But, you know, I'm really oh. I'm, I'm really, really glad to hear that because I'm, I'm sure that I probably would have liked the demon story. I, I think that you're probably being really hard on yourself about it. But I really like the fact that. Our conversation prompted you to say to yourself, well, let me go back to the story that's been spinning around in my mind all my life, basically. Yeah. And let me sit down yeah, really. and put some energy towards that. Because when I reached out this most recent time, you had that. You were like, yeah, man, I've, I've put this to paper. And I didn't know at the time that, 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 you know, it was this story that's been with you all this time. And, you know, I can certainly relate. And so I think that's amazing, man. And I'm, I'm privileged and, and honored that uh, part of our interaction was you getting that down on paper because I think the the writing is good. I think that um, the selection is strong. I don't know a lot because you don't know a lot about where it's going, yeah. but I know that out of the, of the snippets and the glimpses I've gotten into your world, it's uh, interesting and it's exciting. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting to know Tycho and Johannes and the rest of these cats a little bit better. Thank you. Seriously, honest to God, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for giving me this opportunity. It's, it's been nothing but fun and amazing. Awesome, man. For, for me as well. I hope that, uh, I hope that not only now that we have finished with this particular chapter of this project, I hope that we can continue to be a resource for you so that as you go on, if you're feeling like you're coming across a stumbling block where the motivation isn't necessarily there or you feel stuck, you can reach out to us and, we can do whatever we can to keep you getting pen to paper so that you can finish this and you can look back and like, wow, like this is me. I did this and move on to the next door. I really hope you mean that. Cause I'll be yeah, talking, I'll be contacting you a lot. I mean it 1000%, really 1000%. Uh, anything I can do. Thank Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate yeah, it. Haroon's enthusiasm is infectious. <laughs> I am hyped. We are starting a new year off. Right. And yo, I went back and did some research on Taika Brahe and Johannes Kepler. And apparently, Johannes Kepler was one of two individuals who authorities suspected 
of having killed Tycho Brahe since he died underneath mysterious circumstances. The prevailing wisdom at the time was that because he had apparently made it very public knowledge that he was interested in Tycho's laboratory equipment and his uh, chemicals and research and whatnot, that he might have been the dude that did the deed. So that was very interesting for a lot of different reasons. And maybe there's some treachery involved in Haroon's story that we don't know about yet. I would have asked him, but I was not as versed on this piece of history as I should have been. Blame the failings of my public school education, I suppose. Or my memory. Probably my memory. Because I ain't trying to brag of nothing, but your boy's education was robust. Okay. Please support Haroon on all of your socials with the hashtag THS the descent. Uh, create a community around him and let him know that all of that anxious creativity is not in vain. Thank you for continuing to support our humble work. Next episode is chapter two of Trinity. So we're going to pick up where we left off with Chris and Frank and all of the madness that ensues in her life quite figuratively and literally so thank you all for have supported that work it has gotten a really amazing response and if you are a fan i look forward to seeing how this story turns out uh the next episode is right around the corner you can engage with us at the hidden scribes on instagram and facebook it's also our gmail address if you're interested in submitting or just want to shout us out Please rate, review, and subscribe, or just tell a friend. It helps get the word out about these authors looking to plant some roots. So please do us and them a solid. And I am The Hidden Scribe on Twitter. And you can also reach me at my personal uh, address, I guess is what they call it on Twitter. I don't know. At The Hidden Scribe or at Mark underscore million. That is at M-A-R-K underscore M-I-L-L-I-E-N. We out.